This is a conversation with Farzana Palathingal. She is an actor, writer, model, spoken word poet, and occupation therapist. Those in Dubai know as one of the brightest talents in theatre. In this conversation, we discuss acting, her process, taking up dark roles, theatre, spoken word poetry, and occupational therapy. This is no time. If you like what you see, then do hit subscribe on YouTube, smash that button, I say, follow on Spotify, or rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. Unfortunately, despite the many jokes and interns I make, I still do not have a team helping me on this. So, if you like to see this project continue, then do consider making a small donation on Patreon. And thank you to the people who always continue to do so. For other forms of love and support, you can follow this channel on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, whatever you like, or follow me personally. And now, just is no time. Daniel Day Lewis said once about acting that the most fascinating work you can do is the one that you have no control over. because that's the part that frays your nerves because you don't know if life will reveal itself to you in that moment absolutely would you agree do you ever get this feeling that the best work you do on stage is the one that you have no control over or it's often subconscious oh for sure and um i think i think with me the plays that i don't rehearse like say for instance shmool or last year i did this play called a sleepover from hell I did not know what I was actually going to do on stage. So I had no control over it in the sense that I I like knowing what I'm going to do. I like knowing what to expect. Um but with this like backstage I was just standing there like okay, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to do what I feel like and then whatever happens happens. And when it comes to that I feel that's where I feel the most alive. And when that happens, when you're really aware of your surroundings and yourself and your body and your emotions, that's where you're really the most authentic does that make sense it does make sense so a lot of actors uh, speak about this feeling this hyper alert feeling that you get but some also talk about getting completely lost in the role that they don't even remember what they did on stage so when they step out do For you sure. do you experience that as well Yeah yeah it it really depends on the kind of character that you're doing now say for instance um last year i did this urdu play called rafu which was an original script written by durdana farid and in that i was not really playing a character of a person i was kind of playing i would say a metaphor or a concept um you know a concept of innocence or purity and abandonment and pain and suffering and and the longing for something but she does not really know what she's what she's looking for so when it came to characters like that i genuinely did not know what happened on stage like i remember right before going on to stage um i was just in the zone because the play begins uh with her committing suicide So that was the zone that I was in and after that I just do not remember anything. I remember walking in there was red light on me and then that's it. And there have also been plays where I know what's happening on stage but in the middle of the moment I zone out and whatever happens happens and then I go backstage and I literally pass out. Like I faint. And there was this one specific play that I did in Manipal where that happened and I had to actually wait backstage till all of my co-stars came back. because the play was just a full length and it just went on and i was the only person backstage that that finished with my scenes midway so yeah why do you pass out i don't know i think i was really overwhelmed uh that character was about a very deranged um strange uh mad crazy woman who 
had to choose one child over the other and then she commits suicide what is this what is this theme of suicide <laughs> <laughs> yeah she commits suicide and yeah so that was my last scene i was just in that zone i don't i, I don't know why that happens i think it just like overwhelms me and it's this reminds me of something tom hanks once said that a lot of people come up to me and ask how do you do it and this is tom hanks speaking not me obviously and he said i don't know because one i actually don't know and two if i sat down to think about it then i wouldn't be able to do it ever again yeah for sure for sure yeah, yeah. very similar okay so this there's a follow up question in this and i really apologize for going so abstract so early it's only been 2 minutes 3 minutes so yeah. this is a new record but um i get this feeling that when you play your roles on stage do you think there's more to it than just playing a dmv clerk a struggling actor an art therapist do you think what you're doing on stage is this is something i've heard from actors in interviews where they talk about this certain kind of a force or this energy this trance state everyone uses different words that takes control of them and then they uh basically lose all memory of what they're doing on stage and in a way it flows through them and become it becomes something that's bigger than what they are is does this make sense to you or is this getting too abstract very true no no i'm not abstract at all the stage is my temple i've always believed that and it's like the faith that i have in the stage is like nothing else i know that once i once i put my step forward onto that it will always forever hold me and where and whenever i i will need help it will help me and that's where i feel like the energy kind of flows like sometimes you remember going on stage but after that whatever happens just happens and it's not sometimes i feel it it isn't me it is someone else like when i did shmool so shmool is um about a clown that goes on to that goes on to a uh, put a performance about you know an old man and a clock and the conversation that they have uh with each other and how the clock the clock tries to convince the old man how he actually has unlimited time and with that time that you really need to make that one dress that that you've always wanted to make and with that play i i i took help from my grand grandfather who's not with me anymore but i knew that he was there i knew that he would have loved it for sure so that kind of motivated me to kind of just go through with it even even the end of the play rather when the clown comes back and you know unmasks herself you know the the whole performance is done with she comes back she looks into the mirror she's vulnerable and she's just trying to like take or peel layers off of her and to show her to show herself who she really is and to try to relive those moments of her her mom's last voice message that she got before her mom passed away and i mean that is kind of that is kind of her trying to give herself the unlimited time that she would have loved so in that moment i i thought of my grandmom who i've never met in life i've only heard of her from my granddad and and my mother so that's where i felt her presence as well so i think for sure like this energy definitely exists if if you're willing to welcome it with both arms does that make sense it all makes sense <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about shmool a lot more but uh, something interesting you mentioned where you're channeling uh, experiences or memories of people you know into the work you do right do you think it's important for actors who maybe step aside and practice certain methods skills techniques in isolation so there's a lot of acting techniques a lot of acting schools or do you think it's more important for actors to just step out in the world expose themselves to different experiences and scenarios and also 
naturally learn more about love, loss, pain, responsibility. And if you grow as a person normally, then you'll be able to provide that depth in your acting performances. Or do you think there's still a place for stepping aside and actually learning those acting techniques on the side as well? It really depends on the actor and it depends on the role that you're doing. Um, I personally would enjoy to go out into the world uh, for some roles. I think that is my main technique, just to observe people. I love observing people. I love kind of like stealing little nuances that I can get from them. Like say, for instance, last week I was at the beach and um, I saw this couple who was sitting on one mat. It was not really a place for two people, but anyway. Uh, Titanic. <laughs> they were sitting on one mat and just, just their embrace, that intimacy um, and the uncomfortable or the comfortable silences and you know the, the the eye contact and the lack of eye contact so things like that that I would love to pick up I would not be able to pick that up from say a book or a technique that I'm learning in school or watching a master class I would not be able to get that so it really does depend on the actor and the work that 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 they're doing but I personally prefer going out interesting so it's definitely possible for actors to not practice acting and still be good actors that's a very uh, interesting question. I would say so. I would like to believe so. I, I, I really would. I think sometimes craft, yes, of course, it does need experience. It does need practice. But sometimes it just, like your own craft kind of surprises you. Where you don't really have to, where you don't really have to prepare, but it just comes out um, in the most authentic way that it can. And that's what's most beautiful. Don't have to practice. This is I knew Salman Khan and Sanjay Dutt were ahead of their time. So <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Okay, so let's talk a bit about your journey. So you got into theater when you first auditioned for Night of January 16th by Ayn Rand and Manipal. How and did you know that? Just guessed it. Uh, so the point is, <laughs> do you remember the feeling when you were on stage for the first time? Do you remember, firstly, how do you, how do you rate your performance? And what was the feeling like when you were on stage the first time? So I had all of two lines. I still remember it. It is not possible, but it is probable. I think that is the line. So I was a handwriting expert and those are the only two lines that I had, but I was on stage the entire time. Um, my experience was surreal. I mean, it was a big hall full of 700 people and, and it was my first year of college. So I didn't really know what to expect. Um, it was it was crazy, but it was I think I enjoyed it more because I got to watch all my co-actors and all my friends perform right in front of me. So that was really nice. I, I, re I think I really enjoyed that bit more than just being on stage. Yeah, but, uh, but in Manipal in itself, like I didn't really do many plays as such. It was when I came to Dubai and, you know, I auditioned for Venus in Fall when things really started picking up. Did, do you, did you have a specific moment when it all just clicked for you? Venus and Pearl, for sure. While you were on stage or just doing rehearsals, uh, just gradually? I think it was the audition. So the play begins with um, an actress actually walking into a theater hall to audition with the director. And that's exactly what I did with this audition. I did not, I just walked in with my costume. I had like a lot of things in hand and I walked in and I was... And I was just like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm really late, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I just like started saying my lines without even introducing myself. And the director was really thrown off. And she was like rumbling through the script to like find the lines and 
you know, say, 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 say them back to me. That was really fun. I think that was a moment I realized, I think I can do this. I think it, I think it's going to be a fun ride. So you were giving an audition off an audition, actress giving an audition. Yeah. Quite meta. <laughs> That's interesting. So that audition was the moment where you actually thought that this is something you want to do. That was the... Yeah, I've never, I've never felt that kind of energy before, especially when I did it back in co college. I mean, back in uni, it was just something that I enjoyed doing, fair enough. But here, there's always that rush, that, that high that, that you get after, say, an audition or a performance or a rehearsal. Um, and that's what I crave for. And that's, that's the moment I realized it. Would you like to hear a joke? Sure. Not that funny. Okay. So a man goes to the doctor and he says, Doctor, I'm depressed. Life seems harsh and cruel. I feel all alone in a threatening world that is vague and uncertain. And the doctor says, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town. Go and see him. That should cheer you up. And upon hearing this, the man starts crying. And the doctor asks why, and and the man says, "But doctor, I am Paliachi." <laughs> yeah, hilarious. In the play Shmuel, which you wrote and directed, you play a clown, a performer, who you've already spoken about this, who talks about the old man and the clock, and is also trying to make people smile, laugh, and make them happy. And then the second half of the play is focused on the performer behind the pain, behind the mask, and. Among the many things that uh, there's a commentary on, there's also a commentary on the inherent sadness and the loneliness of our life. So the first question for you is, have you ever felt that acting is an alienating profession? Does it ever make you feel alone? That's a very nice question. Um, no, not, not for me. I think it makes me want to, I think it makes me feel more connected to the universe rather than just alone, if that makes sense. Because that's where I'm most aware of my emotions and my feelings. And I am that kind of a person that tries to really squeeze everything that I can get out of life. The, 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 the moment I get it, especially with emotions. Like if I'm sad today, I will be sad. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to try to be positive about it. I'm just going to get, get into bed, eat and have everything spill on me and just sit there for a whole day. Because that's the emotion that I'm being given and I, I don't mind experiencing it so to your uh, so yeah so to your question it doesn't really make me feel alone as an actor I think it just makes me feel more connected to the universe and that would mean I'm not really alone I have my universe with me reminds me of a quote that uh, Rumi had said that don't do not ever feel alone because the entire universe is inside you yeah, yeah makes complete sense so coming back to Shmuel then the story which I felt was very powerful, very poignant. Was it inspired by your own story? Was it inspired by actors that you've seen around you or people that you've seen around you? In a way, it reminded me of the movie Tamasha as well, which she spoke about. Was there any real life uh, inspiration for it? So the moment, so I've always wanted to do a clown unmasking and I don't know why that is. Like always. Uh, and when Joker came out, when I saw it happen on screen where he's actually putting on makeup, and I thought, oh my God, somebody else has already done it. Like, it's about time that I do it as well. So that was always been in my head for a long time. And I think a year ago, I was sitting with a friend of mine in, in the car. And she was like, I want to make you listen to something. And that's when she puts on Shmuel, which is a song from the movie, The Last Five Years. And I thought, oh my God, I want to do this. I want to be able to do this on stage. And then I tried to figure out a concept where I could involve um, 
the clown unmasking as well. So I thought, why not? Why not bring in a loss of somebody that's really close to her? That would make a lot of sense. And because of the fact that I've grown up listening to my grandfather talk about his loss and grown up listening to my mom talk about hers. I mean, losing your mother at the age of 19 is, is probably probably the hardest thing that, that, that she's had to go through. So that kind of inspired me for sure to do it. So that play was for, for my granddad and my grandmom and my mother, for sure. All in all. Do you do that often? Do you feel your personal experiences um, often drive the work you're doing? And this I say this because a lot of the directors that you had in the Junction Roundtable spoke about channeling a certain moment in their life or a certain memory, uh, some moment where they were quite happy or sad in the plays that they were doing. So one of the directors was talking about how she went through a divorce and she tried to channel that uh, feeling that she had through the plays that she was doing. How much of art is for yourself and how much is just art itself? For me, art is fully, completely emotions. Um, it is my experiences and it is also the experiences that I have not been through, but I've seen other people go, go through it. Um, I don't think, like personally, I would not be able to connect to art that I cannot, how do you say it? I cannot uh, relate. Um, I wouldn't say relate. I cannot. Um... Oh, God damn it. See the emotions in it? Let's go through all the words. <laughs> what is a word? What is a word? Like, I see someone yeah. that I know. I what? I identify? Connect? No, not connect. I. Damn it. <laughs> I identify. I, uh, Resonate, it, relate, connect, identify. I think it. Okay, maybe the My closest English is running word... out, honestly. <laughs> I think the closest word would be identify. Like if it's something that I cannot identify, then I wouldn't really be able to connect with it. Say for instance, Rectangle Man, when I watched it, it's not a language that I know. But the things that they did on stage was something that I could connect with. So it caught my attention. For me, art is definitely 100% emotions and things that I can connect with. And I don't think any art exists without that. I mean, how is art created anyway? It comes from something within you. So, art is art, but that art is emotion. Oh, that's a nice line. I like it. Mm. That's a quote. Yeah. Yeah. Five generations down, I'm people will be know. quoting you. That, <laughs> right? When you say art comes from within you, do you have, how do you view, let's say, creativity or the process of creating art? Is it, is it something similar to just working on a blank slate where you do something completely new? Or do you feel creativity or, when you, or the process of creating art is just, it's a culmination of all these experiences and your inspirations and influences from all the people you follow. And then in the end, you find a slightly newer way of merging it all together, combining it with your life experience and then putting it forward. Or do you think you're actually creating something completely brand new on the spot? Definitely the latter. For sure. And they, I mean, and they need to be given cr credit, right? I mean, they did, whatever it was, did inspire me, did kind of ignite that spark in me, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So definitely the latter. I think everything that we go through in life, everything that we see or hear or touch or feel um, stays within you. It sticks with you. And it kind and all of that kind of tries to find a way to seep out when you make art. Mm. 
another code for the generation oh so i had the junction co-founder gautam going on the show earlier this year oh yeah 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 and we ended up talking about taking up dark roles and well it was part from this story that i told him about watching this interview of rajkumar rao and in the interviews describing the state of mind he was in when he was shooting for the movie shahid and what he said was when he was shooting he was in this particular state of mind that and this is a movie about uh, religious prejudice and uh, a man who was um, i mean who was assaulted and he was beaten a lot for his faith so he said he was in such a dark state of mind that one day he was at home he's watching the news and the bulletin came on about a terrorist attack and his first reaction was acha hua before he caught himself and the question that comes from that is and this is something a lot of the female actors on the round table as well said uh, that it seems every character you do parts of that character stay behind in your personality or seeps into your personality do you agree with that i would like to believe so yeah um with me for sure things st- stick but just a, like just for a while and then the rest of me just kind of comes back in like all of my other personalities would come back and be like no nope, you don't you do not get to be here you have to leave this is our place but um no it does stick with you but i think eventually it kind of seeps out but again it it really does depend on the person for sure but for me no i i, I don't think it would stick with me for long have you seen actors who have changed completely after a role that they perform i don't know do you know of any i want to meet them all where is this a different character of yours speaking <laughs> <laughs> think- no 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 i don't think so i don't think i follow like lives of actors that much there are a lot of popular examples heath ledger and joker was oh, yeah, yeah. one of the biggest ones and then even from a bollywood example ranveer singh when he played um, Hilji and Padmavat as well. He said the same thing when he went to this dark state of mind. Even uh, Riz Ahmed for uh, his recent, yeah, role, the one that won the Academy Award. Yes, right? wish I knew the name of the movie. Yeah, I'm gonna cut that part. It's Metallica. Yeah, huh? I think it's Metallica. We'll keep that in then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is that naturally? Uh, it doesn't happen to you. You you seem to be uh, you seem to handle it quite well. But do you think it's a scary place for actors to be? to take up a dark role means that there is a certain doubt or a certain possibility of that part of the character seeping within you and i say this because uh, when you talk about heath ledger and joker so the wife's tale is that when he got the role he called up jack nicholson who had played the previous version of the joker and he had asked him for advice and jack nicholson had said don't let the role consume you and that's pretty much what happened and then when he passed away the reporters went up to jack nicholson and they asked him for his thoughts and he said i warned him so i get the feeling like i wouldn't know how to react and it creates this element of fear within me whether that acting can become a very dangerous profession as well for the performers for sure absolutely but i think it it it's up to you to decide where that line is and when to and then to make sure to not cross that line and 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 like i said it it creates such a high it's it's like a drug so once you're in it it you really do not know how it looks like from the outside does that make sense so once you get into a character and even when the project is over you, it it is a new normal for you 
um and it may not be for may not be the same for your loved ones but that's where you are at that point and unfortunately for some people you tend to cross that line without knowing or with knowing rather but for me it's 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 very easy it 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 will take a couple of say hours max to max but not more than that i think the adrenaline and the high that comes after that just helps me get out of it while we're talking about playing dark characters also want to touch upon good uh, i don't know what the opposite is white characters i guess what do you think is harder to play because i've lately developed this opinion that bollywood or hollywood they have this lust for crazy unhinged characters and i i get this feeling that the moment a good actor takes up a crazy role he's guaranteed an award nomination yeah and i felt i felt that for i'm not saying they were bad performances but i think a part of me just feels like it's relatively easier to come across unhinged or weird or creepy than to play a believable girl next door or an ordinary person with certain amount of nuance would you agree with that absolutely um and i th- be- because of the fact that those characters are what sticks with you because it's new it's exciting it's it's not you know it's not ordinary i would say but at the same time i love the ordinary i love how do you call it the mango people am am aadmi am aadmi yeah for sure i think th- that's where all of the beauty lies and maybe th- i'm not explain it i mean it definitely is very difficult to play a normal character an ordinary person now that i think about it i've always enjoyed doing crazy like a, a like a crazy woman or a suicidal woman or a clown you know things that are out of the ordinary because like i said like people get excited people people like to watch new things um aam aadmi is you yourself but i i want to see what's different i want to see what's different than me on stage Do you think there's a challenge in when you, and I hate to use the word ordinary, but you know the you know what I mean about these roles, something that's not unorthodox. Basically, a person, let's say, a normal worker, something like that, someone who's living an ordinary life, that's all. Do you think there's a challenge of not letting your real personality seep into that because you try to make it relate to who you are as a person? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think yeah, 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 uh, um, absolutely. it is really difficult to play an ordinary character and i i would love to call it ordinary because there's absolutely nothing wrong in it there there's this whole rat race on how to be the special one how to be the one that stands out i don't hate male okay from ordinary people <laughs> <laughs> um you know i i i want to stand out i want to be the first i want to be the one that's you know that's remembered i just so much of beauty in in, in the ordinary i i mean the sun is ordinary you know it comes every day it goes every day at the birds that fly it's ev- everything so normal but at that moment when you catch it when a bird flies like that one they can't see beautiful. it no they can't see the birds in the room just, right just imagine a bird flying it's just like yeah um yeah wait what are we talking about embracing the ordinary embracing the ordinary yeah yeah uh but yes back to your question it it definitely is difficult to play an ordinary character and not let your own character kind of seep through because then it's not really acting is it if you're just going to play yourself unless that's what the director wants this is why i enjoy spoken word poetry a lot more than acting because then i get to go on stage in front of a bunch of people say what i want to say and say it the way i want to say it and i can be myself there that is the ordinary there's a lot of beauty in that my god my words are just whew. 
This is the fourth quote. Are you keeping count? How many, <laughs> how many quotes we're getting from the end of it? There's people sitting with a notepad, just noting everything down. We're going to talk about spoken word for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've got a few more questions for you on acting. Right. Shoot. Another one was, uh, so this was inspired by an interview watch of Gary Oldman. When he's talking about the role he played of Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. And he said the makeup and the costume that he used to put on for that role was took around four hours. And by the end of those four hours, he said he never felt like Gary Oldman. Like by the fourth hour, there's a certain moment where he just switches into Winston Churchill. And he said that the director never met Gary Oldman on set ever. And the same has happened with Daniel Day-Lewis when he played Lincoln or all his other roles as well. Uh, famous method actors when they come on set. How helpful do you think makeup, costume... Or just maybe picking up a certain accent or the way some people speak or walk puts you into that character. Do you think it makes that switch, gives you that mask that you just completely forget who you are? Yeah, it makes the switch really easy. Um, especially when you look so different, when you look like the character that you're playing. And you look into the mirror and you see this completely different person who's actually... I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a wonderful thing to be able to do that. This is why I I love, 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 even though a lot of people go, you know, say against it, but I love acting and rehearsing while I'm looking into the mirror. Because there, I'm not really judging myself, but at the same time, I know that there's someone out there who's watching me, who's looking at me and saying, and listening to what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? Um, So when you look different, and when you're looking into yourself in the mirror, in that character, it makes a switch really easy. It makes uh, it makes it more believable for yourself also. You think there's a challenge of being overcritical if you keep uh, looking at how you perform every second? That depends on the person. That 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 really does. It it depends on what you're really focusing on, what your actual intention is. If you're gonna look at the mirror and just be like, I just I want to look this way when I'm emoting then of course, you are you are not really acting there. But if you're just into it and you're just looking into the eyes and saying, I mean, looking into the eyes and just saying what you have to say and trying to get yourself to believe it. Fun. Do you ever say lines that are not in the script? Oops. Just like, would you imagine lines that the character would say but not in the script completely just to get into that zone? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do I explain it? Mm. I love talking to myself a lot. So when it comes to a character having to say a line, but say for instance, I don't connect to that line as much. I would just try to find other lines that I would be able to connect with as for Zana and then just just, just go from there. Like for instance, say, today the oceans are heavy. I'd rather just say, I mean, I'd rather just look at the mirror and say, I'm sad. That makes me get into it more and just say the ocean feels heavy. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. What's that? No, that wasn't a quote. <laughs> not every line. Okay. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> No, not everyone. <laughs> okay, so what's the process like? How do you pick up a new role? Do you, is it the new director that you want to work with? Is it the script that speaks to you first? Is it other actors that uh, is appealing to you? What is the most important thing for you? Or the first thing on, on top of the pecking order, that pecking order? That's what it's called, right? Anyway, what's the first thing on top of the list that makes... You pick up a role. It's it's a mix of all. But I think the first thing would definitely be the script. If the character speaks to me, then good. That's the first step. Then I would definitely think about the d- director. Um, I'm the kind of actor that 
likes to work with directors who know what they want, who have a vision. Because that's when I'm able to learn. I'm able to see the way they see things. And that would challenge me to kind of do things in a way I wouldn't really do. You know, I will have to go according to what they want. Uh, definitely the director. And then, of course, the actors. You know, it really, uh, the energy that revolves around rehearsals and the play and the script and the work um, is very important. And that you get from your co-actors, that you get from the environment that you're in with them. And there are some co-actors who I genuinely enjoy working with because they its they kind of save you on stage or, or in front of the screen when, when you miss out or when you zone out. And um, it's such a nice feeling to be held by, you know, by your co-actors. Do you think it's a challenge to... This is inspired once again by a line one of the directors said on the roundtable where they said that when he was starting the, when he was doing the first rehearsal for his play, the director was clear to specify that actors, please remain actors and let the director do the directing. Mm. Do you think it's a challenge? Do you often find that there's like, act, obviously you have your own perception and your own understanding of the script and you have a lot of things to contribute as well. You are a director and a writer as well. But do you think it's, you think there's a certain challenge in being able to surrender yourself to a certain director's vision and not let your your perception of it seep into it? Very much, yeah. It it definitely is a challenge. I mean, there's something that you really love, the script, and you want to play it a certain way, but you're not allowed to. You know, you you've been asked to do something completely different. Now, say for instance, my character is a 19-year-old girl who wants to say, um, I'm sad. But then the director wants you to go like, I'm so sad today. Like it doesn't, it doesn't gel in, it doesn't sit right within me. But I have to do what I have to do. I mean, that's the work. That's where the challenge comes. But I love challenges. So I would definitely prefer that. Like I said. This ties into my next question, which was something you were talking about off camera, which is about making something you love your profession. And the challenge in that is that Sure, I'm I'm sure the time just flies by. You love what you're doing, but there might be certain days when you just wake up and there's like a big rehearsal ahead or a big shoot ahead and you just feel like, ah, oh, it's not the work that you're doing that's probably um, creating those emotions. Might be the traveling, the long hours, or just something of that sort, just the physical exertion that might just put you off something you love. Is that something you think about? Is it because the, there's a saying that says that don't, don't make the thing you love the most your profession, make the thing you love the second most. The, your profession so that you because I would imagine like acting for you in the past might have been a hobby of sorts or it might be in a place of where you feel happy or say a place of release after a long day of work acting is where or movies or theaters the place where you find happiness once again do you think that gets corroded if you make that your profession I wouldn't think so not for me I'm someone who enjoys being uh, being really busy like I want to be able to not be able to sit in a place and just have a breather I love being busy. So when, so... Um, Sorry, why is that? Why, why do you prefer just being busy and not having a breather? I think sometimes I feel I'm just trying to run away from my own emotions and from what I'm going through in life so I can just, you know, use it as, use it as an excuse to be someone else or go through some, somebody else's emotions. I would rather play another person than just play me. I'm tired of playing myself. It's been, what, so many years. Don't reveal don't the age. Don't, reveal, don't do it. Don't <laughs> bleep that out. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I enjoy being busy. Uh, in fact, in college, even like when I was, um, I studied in Manipal. I studied occupational therapy. So, you know, I would be in the hospital interning till about 6 p.m. And then right after that, I have to run for rehearsals. And then rehearsals would end at about 10 or 11. And then I would have another rehearsal for something else. And I would come back home at 2 or 1. And then back again to going to the hospital and working and doing. So I thoroughly enjoyed that because that... It's so lovely. Because I know that I'm going out there and doing things. you know and and that makes me want to like the moment i get that one special day where i don't have anything that makes me that makes me want to live that more cuz you know i finally get a day where i can just be by myself and be me and do the things like do mundane things like do the laundry or do the dishes or just sit in bed and watch netflix that's that's when i enjoy like that makes me want to enjoy those things more makes sense all makes sense Fazana. same same thing now like i mean i am working as an as an occupational therapist i work with kids with autism so right after work it's it's a, it's the same old thing i go for rehearsals i come back and the next day it's it's on and if it's not a rehearsal it's it's a shoot or if it's not a shoot it's a play you know from so yeah it's really nice to be busy at least for me i enjoy it so it's never really hard work i would not call it hard work or work or stress it's just me living i would like to call it that let's talk about spoken word so robin williams in dead poets society said that we don't read and write poetry because it's cute we read and write poetry because we're members of the human race and the human race is filled with passion medicine law engineering these are all noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life but poetry beauty romance love these are what we stay alive for would you agree do you think does poetry add meaning to your life <gasps> for sure for sure um i am someone who i'm sure you know that now i'm someone who has so many thoughts in my head but i'm not really able to put it out on the table and actually make the other person understand what i'm trying to say so when a when i see a poem that's written in a way where i can it explains exactly what i feel but someone someone has just written it so beautifully and so mm well the words just like flow Um yeah I really enjoy that. Uh, when I I think I started reading poetry um from when I was about 14 years old and not not the famous poets not not people who have actually released books or written books but like these random strangers that I found on Tumblr. Um I I don't even know them but I could connect with those pieces really well. And from there it all began. How do you view the differences between acting and spoken word? Do you ever get the feeling that acting is more for directed form of expression because you're working under the director's vision, there's a script that you're following, and it often feels you are telling a character story, but in spoken word, the feeling I get is more of a personal form of expression. Do you ever get that? Do you ever view that as a difference? I think more than the director, I would say the writer of the play. That would be where the difference lies. Um, but when you're writing. your piece and when you're going and performing on stage you know exactly what you want out of it um also in a way it's kind of cathartic i would say because you're literally going out there and you're saying these things about yourself and about your life and and you're just like peeling layers of you know of your skin and you're showing this is me but with a play or with acting you have more layers onto you As someone else, so that's where the different lies. De- definitely, the 
the writer would be the different. Are there any benefits the of that translate from spoken word into acting or from acting into spoken word? I would say the ability or the confidence to emote because if you have the con- I mean it's different try- trying to be yourself on stage and trying to be someone else on stage I think it would be much more easier for me to be someone else on stage rather than I mean just myself but once you build on that confidence then for sure it would yeah it would just make spoken word more easier I would say It's interesting you keep mentioning so playing yourself is a tougher role than playing other characters Why do you think that? I don't know. I mean, I have so many personalities. It's so difficult to choose one on stage. Oh, poor you. I got twenty personalities. The guys out there just have one, or maybe not even one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a problem! Oh, look at Woo! her. Oh, look at her struggles in life. She's Woo! got twenty personalities to pick from. Yeah, I would say sixteen. But yeah, it's good you're keeping count. A lot of your poems have been about uh, personal journey or. How your journey you know? of healing of some sort just guessing it and this ties into the very common adage that you have in theater in creativity in poetry as well that great work a great art from sorry great work great art comes from great suffering and the poetic way of saying is well the two ways of saying it one is that let's say if you're playing a character on stage who is facing loss if you haven't experienced that in your life how can you give it that depth or that how can you justify that role and the the opposite side of it which also ties in into the same adage is that to truly understand happiness which you've you touched upon when you're talking about keeping yourself busy and then enjoying the one day out to truly enjoy happiness you need to know what sadness feels like or to a poetic way of saying it is to know what light is you need to experience darkness would you agree do you think great art does come from great suffering i think the great arc that we remember comes from great suffering. I I I don't know why this is but I, I've always believed that you can be happy for somebody but you can also be sad for somebody with a higher intensity. And it's not that you're stopping yourself from being happy but ha- it's just it's just an emotion that you can't really grasp onto for that long. It's it's very fleeting. But sadness sticks. Sadness lingers, which is why and sadness also triggers, right? which is why i believe those like sad pieces or sad people or or sad words that kind of sticks with you for far far longer than the happy words and then we try to see that as great work because that is what we remember and that that is what seems as important so we kind of label that as as great work so i don't really know if great work can come from happiness or not for me it's always been sadness also moments of um just silence where you're just like floating around on the universe and you don't really know what's happening but you're just there i would i wouldn't really know what to call that maybe peace or serenity serenity yeah um great work may come from happiness it's just that i we or i don't know of it it's a it's a good point and i completely agree with you that the happy like the happy works are not the one that you take back with you yeah. for some reason do you think there's a responsibility on art to be memorable oh no no absolutely not i think art you do i mean it, again it depends on the artist there are some artists who want to make great work to share with others there are some artists who want to make great work for themselves um there is so it depends on the responsibility that they want to take 
um when it comes to me i would say i would love to make art that people remember or that that touches even even if that's one person out of hundreds of people if that one person is touched i'm good so yes i will take that responsibility for sure i mean if someone is paying money they hard earned money to come watch a show i might as well give them a good one can that get burdensome or like can that put too much pressure that you have to have to create something memorable um i don't think so if that is your intention then i don't think so if it's your intention then it it will just flow before we start wrapping up i'd love for you to interpret what we have built with the lego well i didn't build anything so what have you done i think i have built hmm it's quite interesting what do you think Uh, maybe like a crane that's trying to build um he had a dinosaur of some sort ooh a dinosaur Slightly without mutated. feathers or with feathers do you, do you think dinosaurs had feathers apparently they had right right and they look can you imagine like i've got this picture for t-rex and the actual picture of it with someone actually made this simulation of it with feathers it just looks like a giant bird and that just kills the vibe yeah, yeah they don't seems so scary anymore. Well, I hate birds actually. <gasps> I love birds. I've had some really terrible experiences with pigeons and doves. Oh no. Yeah. Wow, um, the universe really doesn't like you. Yeah, some something about birds in me or oh, there's a there's a there's a story that one day people will know. Maybe your podcast we can get that out. But Ooh. man, they've done me dirty. Really? Oh yeah. Don't worry, I will speak to them. I'll yes. have a talk with them and be like, "Village is a good boy. Please be nice with him." You uh, need to be. I think they're beyond reason. <laughs> Birds are government spies. What? Um, <laughs> but yeah, this uh, feather thing. So I had, I had a, a fossil hunter and archaeology expert on the show as well. Oh. And we were talking about that's uh, so cool. Yeah, we were talking about dinosaurs and feathers, and he said, "Yep, most of them had feathers, and it's just that they don't. I mean, feathers obviously degrade over time, yeah. so you don't get to see them. But he showed me similar pictures of all these dinosaurs. And I was like, man, it just doesn't hit the same." No. Because if you remove the feathers from these birds, they will all look like dinosaurs. Yeah, they yeah. all are descendants from the same stuff. Well, anyway, baby dinosaurs. Yeah, great conversation sparked by your half dinosaur, half bird, half crane. Yeah, that that's also half crane, crane as yeah, well. Crane, yeah. A lot of different personalities within one Lego, just like just like, like me. So let's move on to final questions. What are some books, movies, or people that have strongly influenced in your life? Ooh, mm. Tuesdays with Maury. Have you read that book? I, I will give it to you. Oh, it's a you. very beautiful book. Um I don't remember much of it. I mean I read it when I was about 14. But there are some parts of that book that really stuck with me. Um another book would be The Unbearable Lightness of Being. That's also a very nice lovely book by Milan Kundera. Um right now I'm reading Shantaram. It's really difficult for me to like go to the next page because every every page is so poetic every line you know they have these nuances i just want to sit there and be like tell me more yeah poetry there's 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 this one poem i think it's called um to hold life by ellen bass or ellen bass i'm not too sure that's a really nice poem would you like for me to read it to you yes please oh. okay 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 let's mind it let's mind it It's actually called the, the 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 thing is okay to love life to love it even when you have no stomach for it 
and everything you've held dear crumbles like burnt paper in your hands, your throat filled with the silt of it. When grief sits with you, its tropical heat thickening the air, heavy as water, more fit for gills than lungs. When grief weighs you down like your own flesh, only more of it, an obesity of grief, you think, how can a body withstand this? Then you hold life like a face between your palms, a plain face, no charming smile, no violet eyes, and you say, yes, I will take you. I will love you again. Amazing. It's one of my favorite poems, yeah. So pieces like these, they keep me going and they inspire me. What are some people that have been role models in your life? Mm, there's not one specific one. I think I just like steal bits and pieces of everyone that I meet, right? Um, but I think for now, I would definitely say my grandfather. I don't know why he comes back. He keeps coming back to me. I mean, he passed away about three years ago. In fact, the weekend that, that I was doing Venus and Fur, right before my show, I found out that he passed away. Um, I wasn't really as close with him either. I mean, I would spend very little time during the holidays. But those times were the most brilliant. He would feed his cats before he would feed me, for sure. And we would sit and watch WWE. But there was so much... Um, there was like, it was, I think it was the aura. He had such an aura. And he was very different from me. Very disciplined. Always on time. Um, very religious as well. Like the complete opposite of me. But then again, the fact that he could have faith. If he can have faith in something like religion, which is not tangible, which he cannot really touch or feel, which he cannot see, and just live with that faith, then so can I with my dreams. Um, so can I with the things that I would I would love to do, but I just I just don't know what they are at the moment. I don't know what I want to do in life. I know that I like acting, but I don't know the pathway to it. But I have faith. So that, yeah, for sure. Definitely a big role model in my life. Also my grandmother, even though I've never met her, I believe she's around. So yeah. Definitely the most positive influences in life. I also find them very fascinating. Grandparents, um, just the fact that they have seen so much. I mean, so I'm sure your grandfather, my grandfather. So my grandfather was born in 1939. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? Like, just, just the thought of it. So he was born before India existed as yeah. a country. Yeah, right? um, insane. Before UAE, before Bangladesh, before mm. all these countries. All these things that you think are just normal. It's just been there forever. Not really, because he's seen a time where exactly, none yeah. of it existed. And he's seen... All these things that I read about in history books, the World War II and, you know, the wars and the politics and the entire U.S. presidency. He's been there and he, I mean, he's pretty much been witness to all that. I just find all of that very, very So fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So much depth and such an aura around all of them, all the people. For sure. What is one acting role that you would love to do in your life? Ooh, interesting. Mm. I think somebody ordinary. Definitely challenging because it will be difficult for me to be remembered. But someone ordinary would be it. It can be someone who, I don't know, does the dishes in a house. Um, a beggar on the street. Or a housewife. Yeah. Is there a movie role that you watched and you thought maybe you could have done it better? I'm sure there are lots of roles where I, I you know, I would have thought, I would have done it differently 
but not better. I, I I wouldn't say better. I would say differently for sure. I would love to work with Sanjay Leela Bansali. Oh, just one day, one day. He's watching. Hmm? He's watching. Don't yeah. worry. The word will get to him. Sanjay. Sanjay. Huh? Is that how you? Is yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. If you see this. <laughs> you think that's what Deepika did to get her? Oh no no yeah. no! Oh my God, she's so talented. Of course, her you know her her craft speaks for her. Oh, but in your case, you have to. Oh no 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 no! Of course, no. I meant call me to discuss is what I meant, Sanjay. Yeah. Which ties in perfectly into my next few questions. Which are what are some of the greatest movies according to you? Movies that are simple. Um. I don't really have any specific like I don't have a specific like favorite movie or anything of that sort. For me the greatest movies are movies that have literally two people or three people having a conversation. Like say B- Before Sunrise. Yeah, absolutely love 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 that movie. There's another one I don't really remember the name of it. It's called You and I, Me and You or something. It's about a relationship between two people and they're struggling to be together. because one person is from the UK and the other person is from the US and how you know and after so many years when they meet it's no more um sorry for the spoiler but uh yeah why would you do that uh but yeah like odd ordinary ordinary movies that just have conversations that are real and not really scripted kind of like that isn't that crazy when you said the movies of our two people having conversation Just thought about before sunrise or sunset become the quintessential. No, oh, for sure. Did you did you know that when they were writing before midnight, the third part, uh, there's a fight scene, and they apparently took two weeks to write that scene, and they put in everything that they wanted to say with whoever else that they were fighting with. That's so interesting. Like, that's so cool. I would love to do that. Yeah, I remember reading this. I think. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah, it's been a while. Okay, what are some of the greatest acting performances according to you? What are these questions? I don't like choosing. Um, Heath in, Ledger. Yeah, no particular order. Heath Ledger in Candy. Have you watched Candy? Yes. Great movie. And who's the actress? I wish I could. Don't really you. remember. Yeah, but she was fantastic. Oh, for sure. And just now, uh, a recently released one, um, Piece of a Woman. Oh my God. You have to watch it. It's it's been nominated for best movie. It was nominated for best movie. That actress is insane. So it's a movie about um a woman uh giving birth. And the whole shot was for about at least I think half an hour. The whole shot. Can you imagine half an hour when you've not really given birth uh, to anybody, I mean, you know, yourself. And you are Yeah, not really. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah. And 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 the fact that you have to act it out and be as authentic as possible be you know and to make it look so real the craft oh my god so beautiful definitely wow. a movie that has like stuck with me for the past two weeks piece of a woman pieces of a woman what would you like your legacy to be like i don't know that one i think uh, i think that's something that i'm still trying to figure out when i find out i'll come back and let you know please uh, welcome anytime you can you can send us an email yeah But for now I would say um I would say just somebody who is remembered as kind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Final question, Farzana. 
What do you think is the meaning of life? <sighs> I'm still trying to figure that one out. But I would say the meaning of life would be just to be authentic, to be yourself, to be real. And, you know, enough of putting on facades, enough of putting on masks. Um, every day you perform in front of so many people, be it your parents, the people that you know, your friends or outside. But when are you ever the real you? Even with yourself, sometimes when you're by yourself, you're probably still acting because there's this, there's this face that you want to be. There's this person that you want to be and you try to be that with, you know, within your mind when you're by yourself. So when are you ever really yourself? I think the meaning of life is to just be authentic and also to try to welcome life with both hands. I would say, you know, as things come on, you have to grab it. You have to grab it and you have to try to squeeze everything you, you know, you can get out of it. Yeah. That's another quote. How many has it been? Five or six? Farzana, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you online, in person, watch one of your plays, where can they do so? Come for one of your uh, spoken word performances, where can they do so? So they can follow me on Instagram. It's Farzana Palathingal. F-A-R-Z-A-N-A-P-A-L-A-T-H-I-N-G-A-L. <laughs> so yeah, I, I usually post about, you know, my plays and my shoots and my poems and all of that there so they can get in touch with me there. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Farzana. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Shalash, for having me. And I hope to see you soon. When I'm more famous and more better, you can have me again. No, we don't call famous people on the show, actually. Oh.